You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon, a.k.a. DJ Pigface. <laughs> let the games begin. That one sounded a little mean on my end, admit- admittedly. You know what? A lot of them sound kind of mean. Well, get over it, you baby. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from uh, your childhood or maybe even longer, and we look at them objectively, try and uh, suss out uh, whether or not they're worth being nostalgic over or not. This week, we watched 2004's horror mystery thriller, Saw, directed by James Wan, who also directed Dead Silence, Death Sentence. I don't know if you ever saw that one, dude, the Kevin Bacon, like, Death Wish ripoff type movie. Not bad. It's okay. No, I did not. Did you ever see the Insidious franchise? He did number one and two. Did you see either of those? No, I haven't seen either of the Insidious movies either. Uh, Did you see The Conjuring one or two? He also did those. Uh, no, I don't watch a lot of uh, scary movies that often, to tell you the truth. Oh, okay, so you're not even watching some of the more popular recent stuff. No, not really. I, uh, I The the last horror movie that I saw was Hereditary, um, but I, I liked that for different reasons other than it was a scary movie. A movie that was actually disliked by general audiences, it seemed. <laughs> oh, interesting. Whatever. He then graduated to kind of big budget fare. This is where he dipped his toes into the Fast and Furious world with Furious 7. This is the one where Paul Walker died like halfway through. I will say probably... Maybe the best Fast and the Furious movie. Again, they're not all. You know, that is a low bar. Pieces of cinema. Friend, yeah. I know. <laughs> it is. It is. But uh, what he's able to do with that, uh, and it's kind of ironic given the car chase in this movie that we'll get oh, to on to Fast and Furious. But uh, and uh, he then is uh, responsible for the upcoming Aquaman that has not been released as of this recording. Oh man, that looks fucking terrible. That movie. You're pretty excited for that one, too, huh, dude? That one looks pretty awesome, am I right, dude? They're riding sharks in that movie. Yeah, what can I say? DC Strikes Again, they continue to just pump out the best content possible. They can do no wrong. I, I, I hope to eat my words. Maybe future me is listening to this podcast and being like, Brandon, Aquaman won Best Picture this year. How can you... <laughs> How can you say it was bad? That new Teen Titan show is supposed to be pretty good. I don't give a shit about that, Zach. What the fuck, dude? You were my friend for a minute there. All right. You know what? That's the end of Nostalgia Be Damned. Don't fucking bother listening to the show anymore. We're done. Whoa, dude. You need to chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. Saw has a 7.6 on IMDb and a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. That, by the way, is the highest rated of these Saw films because (laughs) in case Ia didn't know, (laughs) this movie spawned video games, comic book prequels, and seven, yes, count them, seven son of a bitch sequels, including one in the third dimension. God, Jesus, I don't... And if you don't remember that one, that one was titled Saw the Final Chapter and its lead star was the Boondock Saints, Sean Patrick. Flannery. Jesus Christ. Uh, what? I didn't know it spawned video games. What kind of sick fuck has to play a video game based on Saw? Yeah, I don't remember much about ever playing the video games. I saw the commercials a lot. Let's get into it, man. What did Saw kind of mean to you growing up in that? Because we were about like 13 when this came out, or I was 13 in 2004. Uh, so this was right when I was getting into, I want to watch some fucked up stuff. Yeah, I don't think I saw Saw. <laughs> we're going to say that a lot. Um, I didn't see, I didn't see Saw 
uh, until it was out on DVD. And I just remember all of my friends, it was a lot like the Boondock Saints, all of my friends telling me, oh man, it's so fucked up. It's such, it's, it's amazing. It's such a good movie. And, uh, so I finally watched it one night by myself alone in the dark. Very brave of me. Whoa, dude. You got hair in your chest already? Yeah. Very brave of me. I watched Saw by myself (laughs) in the dark downstairs and I remember thinking, like, it was okay. You know, I I wasn't blown away by Saw until the very end when things started to click together and they were starting to... The movie really just starts picking up in pace and uh, and action. But, um, you know, it was good, but it, it never inspired me to go out and see Saw 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 or 12 or 3D or uh, Snape's Revenge. Well, that one's my favorite one. But are you telling me that you've never seen any of the sequels? Um, I've seen brief bits of Saw 3, and uh, that's it. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Really, man? Oh, wow. Okay, so this is interesting to guess to just have someone who's really just built their entire knowledge of the franchise off this one movie. I I know that they go on and it's a huge investigation about this guy and, you know, it's about chasing him and he dies in one of them, but in that fucking jigsaw, whatever they wanted to call it, a reboot or just like a, another sequel uh that he's he's back or something i don't fucking know but yeah i uh i don't know that much about it but uh i you know what i saw the ratings that the other ones were getting and i heard some of the feedback and reviews that it was getting and i just decided the first one ended on a regularly high note so i just decided why not just leave it at that and not get a bad taste in my mouth like i did for maybe like paranormal activity or one of those movies i'm the exact opposite of you i only watched the first paranormal activity movie and saw was more my bag because i was more interested in gore effects i was a huge uh fan of just makeup effects in horror movies and from a very young age i was fascinated with how they made them and whatnot and saw not this first movie this first movie i will i will 100 percent not place in the category that i think a lot of critics placed it in unfairly so uh torture porn i don't think this first one is i think it's a mystery thriller horror movie the later sequels and movies that it kind of inspired became really just solely focused on how far we can gross you out you know how how long can you look at this shot you know this is the most fucked up shit we can think of and that became the whole selling point. If anything, this fir- this first movie really kind of shies away from a lot of the gore. You know, you start to see some of the things that are happening and you think about what's going on. But uh, they don't really show much. Even like uh, they don't show the guy's stumped foot or anything like that. Uh, all the cutting scenes like you don't really see. Or, so, uh, or the guy getting burned up. There's a lot in this movie that you're just kind of left to your imagination. And I don't know if it does the movie service or not. I guess we'll have to get into that. We will get into that. I think it's kind of similar to a lot of those kind of influential horror movies like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that almost, and, and Psycho even, that, that trick you into thinking you're seeing more violence than you actually are. This first one, I think, kind of got a bad rap with critics because it was released in 2004, right before Hostel, directed by Eli Roth, which really pushed the envelope with how how much we can actually torture a, per, a person. In this movie, you see a lot of uh, flashbacks or you know, aftermath photos and whatnot, but the traps, I would say, are secondary to the main plot of the story, rather than the sequels that get really caught up in the gore. But but before we get into kind of a little bit of the tidbit back story information behind Saw, let's kind of go back to the early 2000s, dude. At this point in time, 
America itself was kind of like sick of a man in the mask. We weren't doing the slasher genre anymore. That had died off. So by this point in time, we're kind of getting into like the J-horror shit. Like, like they're redoing The Ring and The Grudge. They're making those Americanized versions. And we've started to become more fascinated, I think, with like supernatural shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I still, I know you and I have differing opinions on that. I still find some of the more supernatural stuff a little bit more exciting than... Uh, the slasher stuff. I I don't know why. I I find the things that can't be explained a little bit scarier than just like a guy in a mask or anything like that. Um, But I I, I can understand why people were kind of getting sick of it, especially when you have some of these slasher sequels uh, that weren't doing well. You know, you think of the screen sequels that people didn't like or anything like that, or the, I know what you did last summer sequels. So it's kind of understandable that people were starting to veer away from these slasher tropes. Yeah. And they're getting more involved in like final destination. That series is picking up steam with each sequel. Uh, zombies are really coming back into focus with 28 days later and, and they Underworld wouldn't fucking 2004. go away. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they're finally starting to uh, rest there. I think we've gotten a little zombie fatigue at this point. We also started to dip our toes into, the remake craze so in 2003 they did the texas chainsaw massacre remake and they were also doing all these do you remember when they remade all those hammer horror films like house on haunted hill and 13 ghosts and ghost chip do you remember those movies dude i remember in the early 2000s there was a big boom of those i remember sneaking into the texas chainsaw massacre movie really yeah i uh i I don't know why we were kind of on a horror binge at one point but obviously we weren't uh 18 and me and my friends uh tried sneaking into a lot of these horror movies successfully i might add we're pretty fucking badass uh, yes dude. and that was one of, that was one of the ones that we saw that and i remember like uh bad santa was one that we were gonna go to and we ended up seeing like uh the rocky the fourth or the fifth rocky movie instead huh I, I never got a chance to see a lot of these horror movies in theaters until they were on dvd much later but i do remember dude i owned saw on vhs it was one of the last vhs tapes i bought so i looked up at the information today to see what was the last vhs tape ever made because i was super curious it was in 2000 2006, I guess. 2006, A History of Violence was the last VHS tape made. I like that movie. But I was still buying them in 2004. What a fucking noob. Yeah, you're a fucking noob and uh, everybody hates you. Anyway. I didn't get a chance to see this until it was on home video, and I remember distinctly seeing the poster in theaters, and all it was was a fucking sawn-off foot. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. It was just like a bloody foot on a white backdrop. I loved it. It's a really stark like grisly image and i'm surprised they were able to put that in fucking theaters with little kids walking by like that's just a severed foot or a hand or whatever and that would become the motif of the theater of the the saw movies for years to come which by the way i saw saw three through all of that well saw through jigsaw i guess i've seen in theaters and i would say the first three movies were movies i i would consider good or watchable today after that uh, I would say you could probably skip them all, really. Yeah. The sixth one's really fucking weird and funny, and it involves, like, health insurance. <laughs> the health, they're really trying to stick it to the man with that one. Jesus Christ. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they just get really insane ridiculous. But a lot of critics, I guess, at the time called this a seven ripoff, which, let's get into it. it. I mean, it kind of is, right? Like, the basic premise of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a guy that's just trying to teach sinners a lesson or, you know, pay back uh all these all these people who in his eyes have done wrong or don't appreciate life as much so yeah i can i can see where people are coming from there similar to 7 though it also has what i would consider 
one of the best twists of the past 20 years, you mentioned at the beginning, dude, when I first watched this movie, and we'll get into the twist obviously at the end, but when I first watched this movie, it spoiled twist endings for so long for me. Like every movie I watched after this was like, oh, well, that's not a Saw twist ending, so I don't really care. Like this movie to me was like that movie you talk about in college, like your freshman year of college. Like I imagined the people in college at the time who were going for like film editing were watching this movie. Like look at how grungy and, and stylistic this is. It was real nine inch nails in your face flashing and crazy green lighting and everything. Like it's a real independent horror movie in spirit and tone and you could tell that James Wan even in his first you know directorial debut has an eye for the horror genre and camera angles and editing like he's he's a director to watch and clearly his filmography has shown that he's just gotten better with time or at least more successful with time (laughs) yeah he's definitely a guy who knows what he's doing at the at the helm of a movie uh unfortunately I I feel like a lot of this movie is plagued by uh some of the other problems that come with shooting a low budget indie movie, which are, you know, some, some pretty terrible acting and some, uh, you know, (laughs) some, uh, less, less than stellar, uh, technology that they have at the, at their disposal. So it only cost $1.2 million to make. It earned $56 million in the U S and $103 million worldwide. It finished 57th for the year of 2004. And overall, the Saw franchise has earned over $976 million worldwide, almost a billion dollars. Jesus Christ. I mean, you wonder, a lot of people ask him why they came up with the Jigsaw movie, and it's like, well, that's why. You just have to take a look and see why. Yeah, and that's not even counting the DVD sales. That's just in the theaters. Like, the first movie also notoriously went on to make over $70 million in just DVD sales and rentals. It was one of the most profitable DVDs because uh, it was right in the age of the blockbuster when they were still booming. Uh, one of their most sought-after releases. Lionsgate picked up this movie because I guess it was a very it was based on a short film uh, written by James Wan and Lee Wannell, who plays Adam in the movie, one of the leads in the bathroom. And they got a budget for a million dollars. Lionsgate wound up picking up the movie uh, and worldwide distrib- distribution rights at the Sundance Film Festival before it wound up premiering. And then they released it that October. And I don't know if you ever remember this, but that began that like yearly tagline tradition of, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw. <laughs> and they did that for like seven fucking years. Yeah, I know. Which, you know, it, I remember because uh, I used to get annoyed at uh, some of the kids in school who would be like, ah, it's Halloween. We're g- we going to go see the new Saw movie. And I had zero interest in seeing this, <laughs> the new Saw movie. I did that, though, every fucking year. And then, yeah, the Paranormal Activity movies started being pitted against them. Yeah, I remember being kind of thankful for having... Uh, an alternative other than, no, that's okay, you guys go. <laughs> well, I saved the best tidbit of information for last. Carrie Elways, uh, who obviously is the lead character, I guess, or the, or the big name star in the movie, other than Danny Glover, who, by the way, shot all of his material in two days. Oh, it shows. It shows. <laughs> um, I was going to say, let's, let's watch ourselves. Danny Glover is the star of this movie. I mean, the biggest star of the movie. So, uh, watch Oh, we're fu- getting into Danny Glover's mouth. performance, but... First, I want to mention Carrie Elway's performance. He won Best Frightened Performance at the MTV Movie Awards. Oh, wow. Who gives a shit? Are you kidding, dude? We've had discussions about how that's the most coveted award in Hollywood. Yeah, I know. And you know what? I'm sick and tired of them snubbing Adam Sandler every goddamn year. He's got a new stand-up special on Netflix, and if he doesn't win a fucking MTV Music Award 
up for it, I'm going to fucking lose my shit. They're movie awards, and I don't think Shape of Water won a single one of them, so what does that tell you, America? Yeah, that fucking uh, Shape of Water was a bad movie. Yes, thank you. Gosh. Uh, you know, someone had to <laughs> someone had to say it. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, someone had to say it was a bad movie. <laughs> so anyway, let's go. Let's do it. Uh, Saw. So we open up. This is also kind of crazy, dude. Because this was so successful for Lionsgate, they, they rebranded the whole fucking studio after this, and it was really like a, a, a stable for young horror independent features. They even changed the logo. Do you remember this? Like it used to be the fucking lion, actually, like the lion at the gate, and then it was that LGF. And then after this movie came out, they actually made the red logo, the red backdrop with the smoke and the Lionsgate, and it opened up like that the cranks and shit mm -hmm. dude they've used that logo ever since like this movie paid for that logo <laughs> dude it's insane just how well this movie was for one particular studio i feel like lionsgate is a pretty household name at this point at this point yeah and like i said they used to do a lot of horror then they did hunger games and they bought summit and they did twilight and they did divergent and now they've they don't do horror movies almost ever but i mean they still release some stuff but yeah they've they've really sold out man man things have changed You've changed Lionsgate. Yeah, no, I fucking remember when Lionsgate was cool. Yeah, had some balls. I watched this on Blu-ray, and you can immediately tell this movie shot on film because the fucking credits are shaking and there's flickering and there's, this was not a good transfer, but but I kind of like how dirty and grungy this movie immediately feels. Like, it feels Rob Zombie gross. Yeah, I mean, this bathroom that they're in is fucking disgusting. There's shit smeared all over the place. And like that, the whole thing is decrepit and falling apart. It's disgusting. The writer and director Juan and Juanel both wanted to create basically the most simple premise you could do for a movie, the cheapest way you can make a movie. Let's put two guys in one room. So we open up on Adam, who is a photographer, kind of a low life. He wakes up in this tub uh, filled with water, and something with a light falls down the uh, the old drain and McDuda there, and that might come into it later on. But at this point in time, he has no idea where he is or what's happening. Happened. But next to him is Dr. Lawrence Gordon, played by the incomparable Carrie Elways. Uh, we'll see a wide range of emotions emoting from this man throughout. The <laughs> and none of them the, the will be performed uh, admirably. I will say he is responsible for my favorite delivery of the lines, fuck this shit, I've ever heard. So uh, Yeah, okay, okay, I'll give that. I'll, I I like specifically when he's like, I'll kill you, you son of a bitch, and then he hears his, his wife's voice. <laughs> and he immediately just goes, Allie? Allie, or whatever that <laughs> fucking chick's name is. Yeah, so Dr. Gordon, he, you know, he's a sweat-stained <laughs> Carrie Elways, and in between both of them appears to be, you know, a presumed dead man who has recently shot himself in the head. Neither of them can remember how they got there. Lawrence is a surgeon, and neither of them recognize each other. They're both chained to pipes um, with these, yeah, these massive fucking steel chains, and... The dead guy appears to be holding a gun and a tape recording device. From now on, we're just kind of solving these clues, right? So they first find each of them have this tape that's hidden in their pockets. I think Dr. Gordon has a tape and a key, right? Uh, yeah, he's got a tape, a key, and a single bullet. And through working together, they wind up playing each tape and... Each tape says some, something differently, but this is the first time we kind of hear the killer's voice. We don't know who he is or what's going on, but he's got this very distinctive gravelly voice, almost like a Batman or like a Will Arnett's Batman. Yeah, he's very, it's very deep and scratchy and sounds almost like it's uh, altered a little bit. We mentioned earlier that similar to Seven, he's punishing people who he deems, uh, you know, unworthy of life or, or the people who don't appreciate their life. So he describes Adam as, I guess, this like voice 
you're kind of a pathetic chode. Like he's, uh, I've never understood quite why this guy is in this like life or death situation though. It doesn't seem like, yeah. can we get into this right now? He doesn't seem like a, a person worthy of being killed. Like he's <laughs> definitely an annoying piece of shit, but he's also <laughs> just like a, he's, he's basically a private detective. There's no reason for this guy to fucking be here whatsoever. Yeah. Whatever. Other than, other than he might have the most annoying screaming in horror history i love his scream at the end i hate a lot of his screams throughout the movie and he also delivers the worst fake dying performance i've ever seen oh yeah he sucks <laughs> so adam's tape basically says you know you've got to test you got to prove yourself worthy uh try to escape this room essentially his is just like get out of the room doesn't really it's very super vague and then dr gordon's tape says you've got to kill adam by six o'clock or your wife and your kid are going to die. Yeah, something like that. It, it, it's literally, it just says, you have to kill Adam. And Adam doesn't really seem phased uh, by this at all. He's just like, well, that guy's crazy. And it, it's like, no, if I had heard that, I'd immediately be suspicious of the guy across the room. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And we get his, you know, tagline signature, let the game begin. I wonder how many of these little nuggets, how many of these things they thought that have to carry on throughout the franchise. Because what I will say about the Saw franchise as someone who's seen each one, unlike the Halloweens and the Nightmare on Elm Streets and stuff like that, they pay extremely close attention to the previous like <laughs> movie. And so they try with a fine tooth comb to go through each of these sequels to try to find shit they can pull back to reference later on. Sometimes it's clever. Other times it's just like, this is, this is ridiculous. You are straining. And so I wonder how many of these things in the initial movie they were like, this is going to carry on if this is somehow successful anyway. I, again, having not really fully seen the sequels, it I can't tell if maybe they just were like going for it and being like, well, maybe we'll do another one, but probably not. Or uh, yeah, I don't know what the setup was like. Well, like I mentioned earlier, then it becomes about finding the clues. So it's essentially a scavenger hunt. There's one little like stupid whisper clue at the end of the tape that's just like, follow your heart. <laughs> and he's like, look for a heart. Oh, there's heart. There's a heart on that toilet written in shit. So Adam being a dumbass, instead of looking in the back part of the toilet where the poo shaped heart is, immediately goes fist first into to a full tank of feces there's so many different ways i would have done this i would have like taken the top of the tank off and just like sifted through it i would not have just like reached straight down into the bowl i would have checked the top no, dude, first he raw dogs yeah he's straight up raw dogs and he's a fucking idiot it's at this point you wish adam would just fucking die already uh unfortunately there's still about an hour and 20 minutes left in the movie he finds though in the back part of the the toilet there uh, a bunch two half Hacksaws and a bunch of photos that he immediately hides from uh, Dr. Gordon. But, you know, he finds two hacksaws, gives one to him, and they start, you know, vigorously trying to saw through the chains. Gordon delivers, you know, that epic line. He doesn't want us to saw through our chains. He wants us to cut through our feet. You know, that was in all the trailers. I, I do remember that. And then it's kind of at this point where uh, the doctor kind of figures out he knows who might be doing this to them and he recounts the jigsaw murderer or whatever the fuck they're calling this guy and uh <laughs> yeah. it's when we this is when we get a series of sort of flashbacks and and accounts of what this guy has been he's been terrorizing the local populace he has and this is the first of many flashbacks and what i've noticed on this go around through the movie, because again, it's one of those movies I've never really analyzed critically. <laughs> These flashbacks come 
at the most opportune people remember things at the exact point in time when they're like we need to get out of this scene <laughs> like there's a point later on that i'll that i'll specifically get to it involves adam remembering how he got there like people just remember oh wait now i remember how <laughs> this thing that happened oh yeah i was questioned just like five months ago for a serial killer maybe this had maybe that has something to do with it yeah exactly uh i will say uh, it's up to this point i i really enjoy the first I'll say half hour of this film. And I, I get that this is a series that has been criticized for kind of becoming murder porn, but this is the best part of the movie when they're going through all the weird fucked up shit that he's doing to people. The only difference being that you don't really see a lot of it. Yeah. It's tastefully done. It's not necessarily lingering on all this grossness. In fact, most of it's really frenetically edited. So you can barely tell what the fuck's happening in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we, we get, there's no point in digging too deep into this, but like one of them is like this guy, uh, is accused of cutting himself for attention so he has to crawl through razor wire or else uh poison gas fills up in the room if he can't get out and he ends up dying inside the room gnarly good one pretty sweet uh pretty cool another guy uh he's covered in some sort of flammable goo i have no fucking idea what this is (laughs) yeah this one's a bit elaborate yeah he's been poisoned and the combination is written on the wall in one of these many many uh oh i'm sorry i fucked that up uh he's been poisoned slowly and uh the antidote is in a safe the combination to that safe is written on the wall but there's all sorts of fucking numbers so he doesn't know which one and now there's fucking glass on the floor and he's he needs to fucking hold up a candle to see the numbers but if he fucking catches on fire he dies i yeah yeah uh, jesus christ it's it's it, there's a lot to unpack in that one well thankfully you know looking out for uh, the fine citizens of whatever this uh, you know nondescript detroit like town is is detective tap played by danny glover in what is a i'll call it peculiar performance <laughs> what is happening here man all right, let's let's just say this though. Go watch another Danny Glover movie and just try. Oh, he's try a national and, treasure. Yeah, just I. But I'm. But I'm also saying like he's he's always doing the same thing in every movie in almost every movie he's doing a lot of the same thing we keep cutting <laughs> back and forth between the investigation and them in the 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 bathroom and Carrie Elwes and all these characters seem to. completely i guess buy into the idea that he's not a murderer he finds ways for his victims to kill themselves and that's i guess the cool part of this whole movie dude there are several people in this movie he straight up murders (laughs) there's no trap there's no test he straight up kills people bottom line this doesn't stand you know this isn't a good mode this doesn't stand trial you know what i mean like if he goes before the judge that mode you know he can't just be like no i didn't kill a single person look he did it to himself. Why did he end up cutting a jigsaw piece out of well, the because person's I poisoned body? Him. Yeah, because I poisoned it. Oh, obviously I poisoned him. And yeah, he had had to slit open his eyeballs to find the key. But dude, you could do that if you really wanted to live, Judge. It's kind of my right as an American. I don't know if you know what the First Amendment is, but you know, <laughs> fucking good thing Judge Kavanaugh is gonna fucking defend my right to fucking <laughs> Come on, burn people Come alive. On. <laughs> uh, did I get too political? Too political. Okay. 
again, Danny Glover, though, he will become insane over the course of this movie, and he's the world's worst detective. He is straight-up garbage. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I do like part of this investigation, in the beginning anyway. Like, first we get introduced to, um, like, his partner, Singh. There's also uh, Amanda, who is one of the only survivor, or if not the only Jigsaw survivor. The only survivor. Okay. so yeah, the only one. Dr. Gordon mentions back in the bathroom that this has all taken place five months ago. And so right after this time, uh, he reveals why he's being so apprehensive about all these questions. It's because he's having an affair and he didn't want to, you know, divulge that information. But it's really his only alibi. But he is forced then by the police to watch them conduct an interview with Amanda, who is this junkie who was put through this test, the the reverse bear trap, which was kind of an iconic image and used in a lot of the promotional materials. I remember it was on the DVD case and the poster as yep. well. It's this industrial, almost like steampunk looking bear trap, essentially, that goes into her mouth and that if the timer goes off, it will split her face open. You do finally, by the way, get to see that in action in Saw, the final chapter. I believe some teeth and blood and viscera come flying at you in the third dimension. So if you're into that, Zach, buy yourself a 3D player. Um, no. <laughs> but I like this test because... Some of them, like the one we were just mentioning about the fucking glass on the floor and the code, that one seems impossible. But this one is like you have to put to your, you know, are you willing to also cut open the stomach of a stranger who's sitting next to you to find the key before this timer goes off? So there's also that added level of are you willing to take a life to save your own? Well, and there's a little bit of fake news from Jigsaw, too, because he says that it's a dead cellmate and uh, the person is very much alive. So she ends up doing it. She freaking escapes and uh Cuts this guy open, finds the key, and gets out just in time before the bear claw goes off. And she even admits afterwards that she's grateful to be alive. Yeah, she she's super into it. Yeah, I mean, she's like, well, he saved me. And it's like, well, no, he almost killed you and he made you commit murder. Um, but whatever. Now, she becomes very integral in the later sequels, becomes one of his prodigies and, you know, follows in his footsteps and whatnot. Uh, what's interesting about the way they shot that scene, dude, is clearly you can tell they're masking the fact that they do not have a budget. And so the camera's fucking just <laughs> spinning in circles and the camera and the editing is so, like, flashy. And there's that new metal underneath, like, it's all over the place. What I want to get into before we move on from this scene is the introduction of this puppet. I think his name is Billy. I think they call him later on and or maybe fans dubbed him this i don't know he's not called that in the first movie but this puppet dude is now as popular as a freddy krueger as a jason even though jigsaw his face you know people equate that with the puppet you know what i mean yeah. it's not necessarily tobin bell the actor of jigsaw whose face is on everything it's this puppet and it's it's fucking creepy as hell dude i love its voice i love the way it's animated and it moves and he clearly when he's shooting these home videos because sometimes he likes to go cassette tape other times he likes to go he likes to throw in a tv if he can but this home video i don't know is he shooting it and doing the puppet and the voice at the same time or is he editing this in post and putting his voice in there or does he have i don't I, i'm gonna about, i'm like, gonna what's I'm gonna, going on man i'm gonna stop you who cares um <laughs> but but i do touche i do like this puppet too um i i didn't realize until this second watch it's like barely in this movie it's only in like two or three scenes back in the old bathroom with our heroes adam at this point is getting super frustrated because he i guess is now aligning with you zach and 
completely does not trust Dr. Gordon because it, you know, hey, hang on a second. You're telling me about the serial killer that you were questioned, you know, <laughs> by the police? This seems very fishy. So in this little fit of rage, he winds up breaking the window or this glass in the bathroom and, and there's a two-way mirror there. Holy shit, someone's watching all of this shit go down. There's security cams. Yeah, and uh, it, I'm gonna, I'm also gonna say right now, at this point in the movie, this is where the movie to me kind of becomes like a, it comes to a, a, a kind of a slow down halt. Uh, I think this movie maybe could have been a short film or like a 30 minute YouTube movie because uh, some of the, some of the backstory that we get with uh, the doctor and his kid and all this other extra crap that comes along after this point in the movie, I think really kind of slows down the pace of this film. I think this movie definitely could sustain a feature length film. If, the goddamn two lead characters were characters we were interested in. They're both just like wet paper towels and neither of them have any personality other than personalities you kind of dislike. And you're right. At this point in the movie, we then get a little bit of Larry's home life. And guess what? I get why he's cheating on her. She's the worst. <laughs> His wife's played by Monica Potter. Yeah. She's just attacking it. Like, yeah, he works a lot, but like, she's just like, why aren't you happy? And he's like, what? I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> it's clearly a loveless marriage. And yeah, the very first, thing that she's like introduced to him walking away like how can you walk through life pretending you're happy and he's like i am happy like lay off my yeah, fucking jesus i am happy yeah fuck off there's some fucking weird creepy dude watching his daughter through the shadows and you can really tell in those scenes where james wan would go because that's really similar insidious vibe but i'll agree i think that if you had better characters with just better backstories we could cut this whole bullshit out and just i wish we had two better well-drawn characters like i i like the setup and the concept so much i'm just let down by the the characterizations i agree i they're i mean the actors don't really do any service to the characters themselves either but i also think there's a ton of fat to be trimmed off of this movie that uh they kind of you know they'll mark it down as kind of like pacing and setting the tone but there's there's just a lot of this movie that I feel like the scenes are a little too drawn out or unnecessary. So I think, what is this runtime? I, I saw, what, an hour 38 on my screen. I think this could have been uh, maybe a cool 120 or, you know, a, a, a mildly shorter movie. Yeah, I got you. 85 minutes in and out. I could have dealt with, sure. Yeah, 85 minutes in and out, yeah. So Allison and Diana, his wife and daughter, Dr. Gordon's, they're captured. And this is where we get, you know, a, another little layer of this. He's actually, whoever's doing this, whoever's responsible for these crimes, seemingly, is watching these security cameras from Dr. Gordon's house. This is all actually set up in his house. Then we get the fucking just deranged and obsessed Danny Glover, who's also watching this guy in the house from across the way because apparently he's been discharged from the force and has gone psychotic and is just muttering shit to himself in this crackhead apartment. <laughs> and he's lost it, man. There's fucking newspaper clippings on the wall. Classic obsessed, you know, cliche guy here. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, mob, uh, uh, the one that got away. <laughs> He's literally just like talking to himself. I never should have let you go. I love Danny Glover. I do too. But he seems to be, so he's still con convinced, I guess, that, you know, Dr. Gordon's the jigsaw killer. So he's just been stalking this family. I don't know who's creepier, the guy <laughs> who's just held them captive or Danny Glover, who's been stalking this wife, child, and Dr. G. 
Or Adam. And also Adam, who's also stalking people. But again, isn't that his really like his only crime is that he's being a private investigator and also kind of a chode who listens to a CD player with with like he shakes it later on. He shakes it. You know, that's going to skip, dude. You know. Yeah. I think it would just be better if, like, Jigsaw at one point had just dropped, like, Adam, you're too much of a chode. You have to escape the room. (laughs) Exactly. You popped your collar one too many times, Adam. You ordered several vodka Red Bulls at the bar. (laughs) Hey, I I, I order those. What does this say? What What are you saying, Zach? I'm saying you're a chode. Well... You got me there. <laughs> we then flash back to see basically why Danny Glover's so fucking kooky for Cocoa Puffs. He hears he's looking through like the 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 first initial video from Amanda's case, and he like enhances the sound in the background of this shitty VHS to- tape. And he's like, "That's a fire alarm. Check the fire alarms for everyone in the city around this time on this date." And then sings like, "Oh, got one. Let's go right now." <laughs> They're like on their way to the warehouse. And it's like, "Damn, he's a fucking good cop, I guess." In this little moment. But once he actually arrives yeah, to I the warehouse, no, once he arrives to the warehouse, I, I can't remember his name in Lethal Weapon. Riggs. Riggs. No. Murtaugh. All my information. <laughs> Murtaugh. Thank you. Yeah, you're going. Yeah, I know you're going based off of Sunny. But it's always yeah. Sunny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen Lethal Weapon, I think, one and two. But yeah, I never caught up on the rest of the series. Anyway, uh, winds up arriving at this warehouse and you think they're gonna holy shit they might apprehend this guy because they've even got him basically dead to rights they find this uh, all these models and the traps in this you know jigsaw's lair there's this guy also in there who there's this strange contraption around him with like two nails are gonna screw into his neck if you know the timer doesn't get unhooked in time whatever but i wonder is this like some sort of hostage negotiation failsafe that he was like feeding and keeping alive in case the cops come. Like, I gotta have a failsafe, and I'm gonna keep this guy. Like, who? What was this guy? Well, Who's J- this guy? Jigsaw cl- he claims that uh, he was he was using him as an experiment. I guess maybe for one of his future traps. Maybe he was just trying to see like what would happen. You know what, dude? I, Honestly, now that I mention, I think that's actually a plot point in one of the future goddamn movies too. Because again, they gotta mine every stupid little scene, every little question like these assholes like me have. They gotta answer. I think they answer that yeah. one, dude. Fuck. So it's your fault. You know. Kooky Glover gets fucking murked here. He gets his neck slashed by this like you know X Men type <laughs> blade that shoots out of Jigsaw's. He's a fucking idiot because they like hide because he's like, no, no, we'll catch him by surprise. And he's like, he's already going to be surprised. I would just maybe get him <laughs> there and not let him like into the familiar room. Maybe just get him on the stairs. Yeah. Singh says that Ken Jung, his partner, who, by the way, is murdered here with a fucking quadruple shotgun blast to the face. And hey, by the way, Jigsaw, that is first degree murder, brother. There's no test there. This guy, by all accounts, is probably a really great guy. No, 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 no. He tri- he tri- he invaded my property. He tripped on the on the trip wire. Hey, Kevin that- McAllister. Hey, Kevin McAllister, you're going to jail. No, and you're probably no, get right. no, no. It's my First Amendment right. Ask Judge Kavanaugh. I am allowed <laughs> this, to. No, keep- what, I was going to say, what is this amendment? I don't think you know what amendments mean. Uh, oh, First Amendment is freedom of speech. Second Amendment. 
Amendment. Se- it's my <laughs> Second Amendment. That allows me to kill. <laughs> I, that allows me to. It's you know what? It's I can protect my domicile with four shotguns and tripwire. But listen, like at this point, his lawyer has to be like, "You've got to settle because this is a one hundred percent murder." There's nothing here that you know what I mean. Like he's there's no test. This guy honestly could have just been a one hundred percent good guy, and he's murdered in pursuit of Jigsaw. Jigsaw can't. I don't think this murderer can j- justify this kill. Poor Singh. Flash forward to again Glover's slash throat, and he's yeah again mumbling nonsense like some fucking crazy bum. Then back in the bathroom, Gordon finds a box which contains a one-way cell phone, a lighter, and two cigarettes. And at this point, Gordon all of a sudden just remembers. He's like, "Hang on a second, I remember my abduction now." And apparently, some pig-masked uh, stalker wound up abducting him while he was in a parking garage. I think the night before. Yeah, and again, one of the very convenient, like, oh, nice of you to remember this. And this is also again, uh, kind of a long drawn out scene for me. It it takes a long time. Uh, to finally get this fucker kidnapped. And honestly, I couldn't have cared how he was kidnapped. Just like, you know, he was kidnapped. And it really doesn't add anything to the story other than we do get that cool visual of that pig face, which is creepy and unsettling. They use it to better effect in the sequels, but I like that as... It's almost like they wanted both a creepy doll and a serial killer stalking mask, so they just threw both of them in a movie. And for a movie with only a million dollars for a you know production budget or whatever, it's pretty solid uh, prop design. At this point, Gordon and Adam concoct this scheme to try and trick the abductor by smoking cigarettes that they believe are poisoned or fake poisoned anyway with the blood that was, you know, I guess supposedly in the dead man's skull, which is why he blew his brains out in the middle of the room. And then Adam, like I mentioned earlier, delivers a Razzie worthy performance. God, it's (laughs) It's like a fake dying thing. But, but what I love about this is like, as he's lying there fake dead, he gets fucking electrocuted through his chain. (laughs) And Carrie Elway's at this point, you know, we're really getting some of his acting prowess. Look, I like this guy in other movies. We talked about him in Twister. Ah, he's in Kiss the Girls. He's in The Princess Bride. He's been in some good movies. But in this movie he's here, awful in some this. of his shouting is really good. A lot of it, dude, is fucking cringeworthy. <laughs> I th- I'm just going to go ahead. I-, I won't give him leeway. I think he's terrible in this. I And I don't know. If- Who's worse, him or Adam? Um, I don't know. The Adam guy's pr- Adam's pretty, pretty bad. But uh, c- he's also pretty bad. But he's also a first time actor he's the writer of the movie too yeah um i don't know if we give him a pass i can't give danny glover a pass though either what the fuck's glover doing in here i mean glover is getting a i never should have let you go he's getting a paycheck that's all he's getting he hadn't been in a lot of movies uh in between some of his early days and then this movie and he's obviously not in a ton now so uh, if you tell me that the guy was only in there for two days he was just getting his fucking paycheck he doesn't care how well he's doing well all the power to him we do get one of the skip the film's probably only jump scares that's what i really like about this movie is it's pretty much devoid of that shit other than the loud jarring sound effects of some of the edits and whatnot But after Adam is electrocuted, he suddenly remembers, hang on a second, now I remember how I was abducted. And then we cut back to him, and uh, this is a really drawn, it's like two minutes long of him just like walking through his apartment, but it's really eerily staged, well shot, but it's like, all right, this is is a little too long. But he's taking photographs with his flashlight photography uh, to try, because he keeps hearing people in his apartment or something in his apartment. Uh, And yeah, we get this jump scare of the pig-faced creature jumping out and, and attacking him. Again, doesn't really add anything 
nothing to the movie and really just kind of pads the time out other than to give us that one real jump scare. Yeah, it's so long. And again, I just, you know, I don't really need to know how these guys were kidnapped, especially because it doesn't really add anything. Like, you can just say, like, I can understand sort of where Adam's kidnapping comes in because it kind of... It, it tells you what he does for a living and why he's connected. Um, but it, again, you're, you're right. It's like two and a half, three minutes long. And it's just like, okay, just show us him getting knocked out or something. Like, I don't give a fuck. And, and we see photos of Dr. Gordon in Adam's lab. And it's at this point, during that little flashback, but it's at this point that Allison calls the one-way phone so that she can talk to Dr. Gore and she's held hostage obviously at gunpoint with Diana tied up and whatnot. Whatever he reacts to his daughter or his wife on the phone, he's like, Allie? Diana? Diana? <laughs> she tells him like, don't trust Adam. Um, and so this kind of, you know, tempers are starting to flare. Adam finally comes clean about what he's done, what he's been doing, and that he was hired by some crazy-ass guy to take photos of Dr. Gordon. I will bring this up. I think the person who's really responsible for Lawrence's demise is his wife. What? All right. She's the one who's responsible. Look, we'll get into why she's really responsible, but I think she's been killing him for a long time. And, you know, him sawing his leg off at the end of it is really his marital suicide. I'll, I'll tell, I'll explain later, but let's just cur plant that little kernel right now. I'm very curious to see where that goes. Um, Okay, moving on. After describing the guy who paid him, Gordon realizes that it's none other than fucking Looney Glover. Turns out, Larry wasn't even going to get any uh, side action that night, dude. The night in question, after Adam accuses him of being an adulterer, he's like, guess what? You know, I wasn't cheating. I was not cheating on her. And we get a little flashback. He wasn't. He had a change of heart. But that night is the night he was actually abducted. I mean, I like to believe that he was probably fucking that chick well before that night. But Oh, he yeah. was absolutely fucking that chick. But I don't think he fucked her that night. Look I think at he her. Was she throwing, was hot. Oh, she was gorgeous. But by the way, where is he having sex with her? That looked like a crack den. Yeah, I get that they don't live in a great city. But for the love of God get a nice hotel so adam then notices a photo that was also in that kind of garbage bag full of shit that he didn't take and in the photo he notices a guy staring in the window of dr gordon's house turns out here we go it's some guy named zepp who was an orderly we saw for a quick minute earlier in the movie when we were at the uh, hospital to establish dr gordon's job and whatnot we then flash to the guy who's been watching these security cameras all along and it is this actor zepp i believe i don't know his name off the top of my head but he's the guy from he's in lost and i remember as a kid when it cut and actually showed this guy's face all of the tension and hopefulness i had for this movie deflated for whatever reason once i saw the killers whom i thought was the killer at the time once i saw his face i was like oh this kind of sucks now <laughs> This is where I lost complete interest in the movie as a kid. If this will all turn around, don't you worry. But at this point, I'm kind of pissed. They have run out of time. It's now 6 o'clock, and Zepp is scheduled to kill both Allie and Diana. As he's about to do this... Uh, there's uh, a scuffle. He's obviously on the phone with Dr. Gordon at this time. There's some gunshots. And Dr. Gordon at this point thinks his wife and children are probably, or his wife and daughter are probably dead. Insane in the membrane, Glover sees the gunshots go off and he sprints over to provide some sort of help, which, spoiler alert, he does not provide. No, he, he barely fucking... I mean, like, he's, sh he's a cop. He's a trained cop. He's shooting this guy who's apparently an orderly, who's on the ground, not moving. He empties his fucking clip, doesn't hit the guy once. <laughs> 
something? No, yeah, he's awful. And yeah, the wife and child do more to help themselves than he ever could because they, they wind up to escape, no thanks to him. He's just chasing after him, fucking mumbling and screaming, ah, ah, I'm gonna get you, you sick asshole. <laughs> You motherfucker! But yeah, Unstable Glover winds up chasing after Zep in what is the worst car chase ever put to screen. Oh, which God. I found out, you know... <laughs> the, it looks terrible. It's just a lot of shaking and lights flashing yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, it looks awful. The car chase itself was actually filmed in the garage of some warehouse. By turning off the lights, they added some fog and shook the cars no, <laughs> while only filming from the front. No. And you can tell. Yeah, obviously. No shit. It looks so bad. It's so dumb. Show them pulling up to one place and him following them. You don't need a fucking car chase. Yeah, but dude, then you'd have one left new metal break. <laughs> Yeah, well, no one's ever said, man, I wish this fucking movie had more new metal breaks. Like, cut out the new metal break. Lawrence, at this point, has fucking lost it, because obviously he thinks his family's probably dead, and he's electrocuted, and when he wakes up, like I said, he delivers this, fuck this shit! <laughs> it's awesome, my friend. And Zep is being chased through the halls by Maniac Glover, and is shot. Dude, Danny Glover takes a bullet to the chest as he's wrestling this gun away from this fucking weirdo. Mm -hmm. And here is where my yep. previous statement comes to fruition. Allie finally kills Larry by calling him once again, and the phone is just out of reach. And at this point, that he is completely broken. His psyche's broken. Dude, if the phone doesn't ring, who knows what the next 10 minutes of this movie is. But the phone does ring. He completely goes unhinged Carrie Elways and is just screaming. Dude, I love when he gets up and screams at his foot. That's <laughs> the chain. He's just, ah, ah. Dude, I want that as a looped ringtone. Easy. Done. And Adam is like, please, Lawrence, please. Everything's going to be all right, man. Don't do it, man. And this is where we get what everything's built up to. This is the climax. And dude, I will say the cuts, them yelling at each other. I will say, you know, the performances aren't necessarily that great. But dude, it's fucking intense here. This is intense. Well, so I, I have to I have to ask really quick before we move on too far. You say the wife kills Lawrence pretty much, yeah? <laughs> Wait, we never, did we ever see Lawrence die? He escapes, supposedly, does supposedly, he Supposedly, yes, and he actually comes back into a later sequel, but I'm I'm basing it off this movie. I would argue she saves his life. She gives him the strength to cut off his own foot because he's panicking about her. If he had stayed in that house, that Dude, fucking guy- definitely no, getting if divorced. If that guy stays, if he stays there in that room, then- Jigsaw stands up and locks them both in there to die. I don't know, dude. I think you hate women. Oh, are you and, kidding uh, me, dude? Fuck you. She's the worst. She's the worst. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just so wanted much, to get dude. that in there. Anyway, so yeah, we get this. Well, we finally get him actually sawing into his leg, and everyone thinks this is, again, a much gorier scene than it is, but it's not. But, it, but again, it's intense. He saws his leg off, goes over, puts the fucking one bullet in the gun, and shoots Adam fucking presumably dead and at that point he's just screaming yeah i've done it now show them to me and then zepp wanders in the guy whom we all presume the audience think is the killer says you're too late is about to shoot lawrence when adam springs to life and beats zepp to death with the top of the toilet lid and then this is where Lawrence is like, all right, I'll go get help. He fucking crawls off. And yes, to his to his survival, to his possible survival, probable death. Either way, definite divorce. Doesn't matter, man. She saves his life. She saved his life. Adam, meanwhile, is searching the body of Zepp, trying to find a key when lo and behold, he finds a tape himself. What's this? 
He pops it into the goddamn tape player, and what do you know, Zep is actually a victim of Jigsaw, who's been playing a game all along, put to the test, who's been following his own rules, and in the middle of the floor stands the real Jigsaw, the guy who we all presumed was dead, Tobin Bell, the actor, gets up, pulls the fake gore appliance off his head, tells Adam, yo, the chain... The key to the chain, it's in the bathtub. Holy shit, quick flashback to the beginning. That thing sucked down the drain. Then we get what is probably my favorite five minutes of almost... Dude, this is some of my favorite horror movie endings of all time. I fucking love this whole scene. This whole sequence is fucking gold. From Charlie Clauser's amazing Hello Zip uh, theme song, which I have on my iPhone, dude. I listen to that theme. I, it gets me pumped up, dude. I love that whole thing, dude. This is super intense. He stands up, walks to the edge of the room, tells... Him. Most people are so ungrateful for, you know, their life, not you, not anymore. Yeah, game over, shuts the door, and Adam just screams in agony and cut to black. Saw, man. I want to I want to ask you a question. Do you think there's ever been an actor in history who signed on to be an extra in a movie and then had an entire franchise built around him? This guy has gotten six, seven movies after the fact of being an extra, a goddamn dead body in the center of a, of a room had maybe three minutes of, of screen time where he's ever actually on camera, and most of which he's just dead. <laughs> like, that's insane. It is pretty crazy. I, I'm i racking my brain. I can't really think of it. I mean, it's it's pretty astounding. Uh, not surprising, considering how much money the original makes, but, uh, man, what a lucky fucking break for that guy, huh? Yeah, man. Saw, the original... What do you think? Like I said, there's a there's a lot of fat in this movie that I personally wanted trimmed off. This movie for the first half hour kind of feels almost like a uh, almost like a, a little YouTube short uh, where it's just like a premise, and the rest of the movie kind of feels a little bit like padding. I, I and I kind of have that feeling that like they had this great idea, which at the time especially was uh, more unique than what we were getting out of a lot of our horror films. But but again, the rest of it just feels like, all right, well, how do we make this into a feature-length film? Um, and I, I get that like that's what makes it different from some of the other movies. I know the other movies have been accused of just being torture porn. Um, it, it, this movie doesn't really have the impact it had on me when I first saw it. it, it when I first saw it, I thought it was... Uh, a pretty astounding horror movie, a great twist, um, and just, you know, some definitely cringy parts in it. Watching it back now, knowing what happens, knowing the twist at the end, it's kind of like, all right, just get to the twist. So it, it definitely doesn't have the impact on me. And again, it suffers from a lot of uh, unfortunate low-budget indie movie problems. I feel like if this movie had been made just as it was, but with a high budget, and maybe a couple more experienced, better actors, I think you have uh, a, a near-perfect movie. For all its flaws, it's still fun. It's not great, but it's still a fun watch, um, just not clear, not as impactful as it is the first time you've ever seen it. So it's got a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. Where would you roughly put it there? Uh, I'd probably leave it right about there. I'd, I'd probably say 50 to uh, 50 to mid 40s. It's not it's not particularly astounding. Um, a, a lot of the a lot of the other parts of the movie that aren't torture scenes don't add a lot to the movie. So I think that's a, a fair assessment of it. Probably just a 50. When I first watched this back in 2004, I mean, you could have asked me and this could have been in my top like 20 movies of all time. I loved the twist that much for a long time. And then this was a movie, though, that 
with each subsequent sequel, I kept thinking, you know, was the first one as good as it was? And it's a movie that I've revisited. I probably haven't seen it in a good five years, but it hasn't been that long since I've seen the first Saw. And so it, it was a movie that I knew probably wouldn't hold up as much on repeat viewings, and it kind of didn't. The mystery itself is pretty solid. It's it's almost like a, a, a Criminal Minds episode, but yeah. done a little more fucked up and like with some real originality and creativity with, in terms of the traps, I guess, or in terms of the modus operandi of the serial killer. But... The performances aren't necessarily good. Uh, a lot of the, some of the set design looks really cheap. Other parts, uh, are, you know, for is are good for what they had. You know what I mean? For the money, the budget, it's it's all up there on the screen. You can tell. I don't necessarily think it's worthy of seven sequels and exploring this backstory of this this killer. I do like some of the stuff that they establish in later sequels, like for people who think this movie cheats at the ending where the guy wakes up like, how would you not know he was alive? Like, clearly he'd be breathing. They explain later on that he was that he delivered like a paralyzing agent so that his, you know, breathing would slow and his heart rate would, heart rate would slow so it wouldn't appear that he was alive. Like, there are all these little things that, that they tie back into and that the series itself does have has some like you know fist pounding like that was fucking awesome horror moments but the first one by far the best one it's still not a great movie but it's a good horror movie in my opinion and i would give it i think it's like a three-star movie so i'd give it like i'd give it like a 65 maybe even a low 70 up to upper 60s i do think this is like a fresh solid mystery thriller and for the movies that were coming out in the early 2000s in the horror genre Definitely influential, but it's also just, I think, one of the better made ones. It, there's no denying that when it came out, it was probably the biggest horror movie. Would you say it was the biggest horror movie of that decade, the 2000s? In terms of just the cultural impact and, and what it means to people looking back on. By far. And in fact, I think Saw is the most uh, highest grossing horror film franchise ever. I think maybe Alien and Halloween might rival it. Maybe the Paranormal Activity movies, but it's up there within like the highest horror movies yeah. ever. I'm going to agree with you because you just look at how many people after that movie come out would sneak up behind you and ask, do you want to play a game or whatever the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it's permeated you know. pop culture for sure. Yeah, for sure. So I that's that's why I think, yeah, I, I think if you're looking at horror movies and what made the biggest impact on people, I'm going to go ahead and say, along with Paranormal Activity, probably uh, this one was the most influential of that decade. And it was looped in, like we mentioned earlier, with the torture porn subgenre. And like most horror movies, they're very... Uh, they're, they're commenting on the state of the country and what's happening in society. And at that time, we got to remember we were in like the, the Bush uh, war on terror. And so there was all these images in the public of all this torture shit, like people being accused of this and that and whatnot. I remember seeing those images in the news. And I think that kind of maybe influenced where horror that genre was going. Like that's that's what scared us more than anything. It wasn't the guy in the mask. It was just other people like <laughs> foreigners started to scare us at that point. You had hostile movies where they really like land ambassador American culture in f how foreigners see us and how obnoxious we can be. Yeah. And I know a lot of these movies getting written off as just stupid gore, gore heavy movies, but some of them like a lot of the movies like last house on the left and those movies from the seventies, they are commenting on the poli the political climate of the country. And that's why we have movies like today, like get out and they, they continue to do this. I think horror is that genre that can, that can comment on it. Like the purge movies without being, I guess like, uh, perceived as dangerous, I suppose. Tell the people what we're doing next week. Well, before we get into that, dude, you want to tell us what you watched this week? Anything good, anything bad? Oh, you know what? I rewatched the other day. I rewatched game night. It was on HBO 
and uh, that movie I don't think got enough credit when it came out. It's a pretty it's a pretty funny movie. Uh, some of the shots in it are really really cool. I uh, so if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend renting Game Night. JC Jason Bateman and uh, and my fucking favorite actress of all time, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, my wife. Yeah. No, my wife. My wife. Uh, yeah, no. Game Night. I think is probably my favorite comedy of the year, dude. I love that movie. So well done, uh, well shot, and yeah, the guy from the little kid from Freaks and Geeks directed it. John's Fran- John Francis Daly. So mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. funny. And and. And there's just some things in there that you have to see to appreciate. It, it, you know, there's stuff for people who are just looking for kind of a, a nice comedy. But some of the action pieces and some of the wide shots in that movie, the, it's it's one of the most artful comedies I think I've ever seen made. I know, and that may sound hyperbolic, but I'll agree with you, dude. It's almost that good. I, I, it's a great little dark mystery thriller, kind of romantic comedy. It's a good date night movie, too, if you're looking out there for a movie to, to watch with you. Very good date night yeah. movie, yes. Anything else, man? There's something on Netflix right now that if you're going to watch something kind of old school, uh, there's some Monty Python on Netflix right now. Specifically, I'm going to recommend The Life of Brian, which is a uh, far better film than uh, Holy Grail. I'm just going to say it. I don't care if anybody disagrees with me. It's better than Holy Grail. Really funny movie. Wow, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's a really funny movie. It's definitely more for adults than Holy Grail was. Uh, Give it a watch. I'm not going to not recommend anything because I can't really rack my brain and pick anything that I watched that I didn't like. Okay, man. Well, that's okay. I I think we should just do kind of like a what we watch section anyway. It doesn't have to be a shit on this and, you know, jizz on that type of situation. Well, hey, do me a favor. Don't fucking tell me what to do. Okay? You're right. I'm sorry. That was out of line. Uh, So I watched two movies this week. I will recommend Leave No Trace. It's by the director of Winter's Bone, and it stars Ben Foster and I think her name is Mackenzie Davis is this young actress's name. I I should know it because she'll become something it was a fucking phenomenal performance but it's basically yeah ben foster who's one of my favorite like underrated actors like i liked him back in alpha dog and 310 to yuma and 30 days of night he's always just a great character actor hell or high water he was recently received some praise for but he plays like a, a veteran with ptsd who's been living out in the woods with his daughter in this park in oregon just living off the land and they get discovered by social services and have to kind of adapt to society and he clearly can't and it's it's a really solid character piece uh uh, that's that's too small, I think, to ever gain any Academy attention because it's not very showy or anything. But it's just fucking phenomenal performances. Both of them, if there were any justice, should be like considered for awards consideration because it's a good movie, dude. Very cool. Anything else, uh, dude? I have not been honestly more excited for a film in the past probably three or four years. Uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween. Finally got a chance to see it, man. How'd you like it? I I can't remember the last time I was watching a movie where I think I loved every bit of it. And then there was one scene that I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Why would you do this? It was such like, literally, I can't think of another movie where I was like, this could be like a 10 out of 10 slasher. And then it gets to one part and I'm like, what the fuck was this? I will say they rebound at the end. And who knows if they'll make another one. I mean, it just made, it broke like box office records, so they probably will. They could go either way if they really wanted to. Uh, but I will say great performances from Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's got an amazing atmosphere. It's probably the best Halloween sequel, although I find other ones maybe a little more entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll definitely recommend it. It's just there's little, if there was that one thing that they do in this movie, and I don't go into spoilers... I probably would have said that, you know, this is a goddamn, like, one of my favorite horror movies past, you know, it. But it's good. 
I don't want you to explain your reason. I just want knee-jerk reaction right now. Original Halloween or new one? Oh, original. Always original. Yeah, that'll be... Yeah, this movie just faces the problem which every Halloween sequel will face, and it's just... It makes no sense for there to be a sequel, (laughs) no matter what you do with it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, yeah, I was going to go see that this week, and then shit kind of hit the fan for me, so I'm going to try and get out and see it soon. I was going to say, do it before Halloween if you can. Uh, Speaking of Halloween, we are... Technically, our, our, our episodes release on on a Thursday, but we wanted to do one more Halloween-themed episode, so we're going to release it a day earlier on Wednesday on Halloween itself, uh, barring, you know, neither of us get any sort of foodborne pathogen or swine flu. Which, my God, is always possible because you know I don't really cook my food. I just kind of eat it out of the package. You do, and it is shocking. I've begged you to stop. I have begged well, you to I stop. Well, I never will. Well, when we do die, dude, I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Yeah, man. We're going back to our oldest movie thus far, 1989's Pet Cemetery. Uh, very curious. I think I've only seen it once, and it was so long ago, I don't really remember much of it. Yeah, I watched it once as a little kid, like a really little kid, and I remember it freaking me out and never watching it again for probably 15 years, and then I picked it up on Blu-ray, have seen it since, and this will be a fun one to talk to about, especially where their uh, remake is coming out next year. The trailer just yep, dropped. trailer just came out uh, two weeks ago or so, and uh, it didn't tell you literally anything about the fucking movie at all. It didn't, but I like the atmosphere, could be dope. Other than John Lithgow saying, sometimes that is better, and you know what? I appreciated that. I did too. I also appreciated just like the static shots of trees blowing in the wind. I haven't seen so much wind and trees since the happening. Man, so much windy trees. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to like and subscribe and follow and whatever the hell else. Uh, please share this with your friends. Write us a review. It always helps the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook and on Twitter and uh, listen to the show on iTunes or podbean.com shoot us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com just a request or a question or anything you'd like to chat with us about uh anything else zach other than to request or recommend any new metal albums do you got any recommendations uh no don't fucking do any new metal uh if anything i want you to just go the opposite way with it do something like uh future just came out with a new album so put some put down some crazy mumble rap and it'll be fine dude i'm gonna go listen to some pod all right you do that i'm gonna leave (laughs) bye bye